we met in the springtime when blossoms unfold. The pastures were green and the meadows were gold. In a 1999 Washington Post article on a Hank Williams seminar hosted by the Smithsonian Institution, its first ever on a country artist, biographer Colin Escott suggested that after all that had been written and said over the past 50 years about the legendary performer from Alabama, Hank Williams remained ultimately unknowable. And out in the darkness the whippoorwills cry. But writer Steve Goodson simply listens to the songs of Hank Williams and cites the bronze plaque at the Country Music Hall of Fame describing those songs as straightforward, plaintive stories, stories of life as he knew it. She may have forsaken some other like me. One of the most intensely personal songwriters in country music history, according to Goodson, he would doubtless have sympathized with his elder contemporary, Woody Guthrie, who, in writing about his mother's sad decline, allowed that his audience must surely hate to read about a mother described in any such words as these, but went on to insist that in the interests of mutual human understanding, the experience had to be broke down and said. Hank Williams spent his fleeting career trying to do just that, to break down complex emotions and present them in comprehensible and commercial form. In other words, he strove to communicate those experiences, which are often the most difficult for humans to express. We met in the springtime when blossoms unfold. Goodson continues, Williams did not express or represent the entirety of white working class culture, but he did take certain aspects of the Southern Plain Folk worldview and filter them through his own sensibilities to create his vivid mini-dramas. His audience listened to his records not only for entertainment, but also because they found in this music a measure of catharsis and a confirmation of shared values. By loading the travails of workaday experience with the eloquence of his lyrics, the blistering intensity of his vocals, and the heightened drama of the three-minute form, Williams argued powerfully that ordinary people and ordinary lives mattered. Where has she gone to? Oh, where can she be? She may have forsaken some other life. In some, he says, from a more metaphorical perspective, the songs speak to the loss, the regret, and the sense of emotional ostracism that each of us faces at one time or another, regardless of our region, race, gender, or social class. More than anything, it is this universality that lends Williams' material a timeless quality. While a great deal of the music's power derives from its being so sincere and authentic an expression of the ethos of a specific people, place, and time, Williams' music transcends these particularities through its ability to say something important about all people in all times. Understand. Words of Steve Goodson in the collection Walking the Line. 
So while we will surely laugh and clap at the Rev-produced rodeo show in Scranton on Saturday, August 13th, in partnership with United Neighborhood Centers, we will be touched, too. Rosie Hay and Rudy Caparazzo are back in northeastern Pennsylvania, and they are the co-founders and artistic directors of Rev Theater, and they're preparing the production and stopped in to fill us in. We've done some virtual projects, which has kept us geographically centric and in the forefront with United Neighborhood Centers. We did a piece all about what the experience was for these teens during the pandemic, and that was a very successful piece that we did virtually. Granting agencies have helped us with this, of course, in that way, because we love, love, love being here. Scranton, as I've said, has a huge, huge chunk of my heart. I have very strong and profound local roots, and I still remain fond of and true to the area. So we've had some help from grantors, certainly this time out. So we did the piece that Rudy mentioned, and then last summer, because COVID was still rearing its ugly head, we came and we performed for seniors and Gino Murley, Hillside Healthy Aging Campus. We did not work with them because it was just a little too dangerous at that point. So we performed, but we were still here and bringing our our work to Scranton. But this year it's actually working for three weeks with our older active adults at UNC and some young people. So it's multi-generational, which is really important to us. And the program we did last summer was a retro country music show. And the fun and popularity and overall success of it had very strongly encouraged us to bring something back in a very similar vein, same sort of genre. So we're doing a sort of country western music show part two this time. The first half of the program will be multi-generational, featuring a great deal of these older active adults that Rosie mentioned earlier, some of whom have actually never performed in front of a live audience before. So we have one woman who is singing a Patsy Cline favorite. It's the number one jukebox hit. You probably know that, Erica. Crazy. She's singing crazy. And she's never sung before people before. And she was very nervous, anxious, and trepidatious, but she's put her proverbial nose to the proverbial grindstone, and she's bringing it on home the way she should. I'm very, very proud of her. So the popularity of the show was such that we wanted to come back and do a part two. The first half will be, as I said, multi-generational in that way, and the second half, or the second act, that's what you want to call it, is the Rev Show, Rev's little old rodeo show, which is myself and two marvelously talented women who will be singing, again, retro retro classic country hits from Loretta Lynn, Buck Owens, Hank Williams, Tammy Wynette, Johnny Cash, June Carter, on and on and on. It's a lot of fun. It's a very, very good time. And this time we had the fantastic extra added bonus of a genuine bona fide rodeo performer doing lasso tricks and possibly bullwhip. She's trying to talk me into having a, a cigarette snapped out of my mouth or a daisy out of my hand but i haven't i haven't worked up the courage to do that yet erica but it it will be a lot of fun for everybody and it's free it's supported by grants of course but we consider it our gift to the community because the community continues to be really really important to us both when you do this type of programming do you attempt to make a narrative thread loosely or is this like a review it's a it's a review it for all intents and purposes is rather like 
what one would experience if one went to the Grand Old Opry or Louisiana Hayride back in the day. So it is rather self-contained. There's comedy bits. There's a young woman in the first half, which is based in, in and with our locals that we missed so terribly not being able to work with last year, as Rosie said, who's going to do a sort of um, her own kind of spin on that fantastic Grand Old Opry staple and favorite, Minnie Pearl. So she has a little monologue of her own that's quite narrative-based, but there's no continuing through line. It's mostly like a variety show. It's acts for all intents and purposes. We always ask you, Rosie, because we know how much you love language. Do you work with the performers in terms of dictions mm-hmm. they're singing or at Mini Pearl? Yes, I think actually, and Rudy will corroborate this, that Hank Williams was called the Shakespeare of country music. Am I correct? Yes, he was. The bard of the prairie. So there's there's work that we do in looking at the lyrics and the images and what they mean. And there are narrative through lines in the songs, not all of them, but some of them. So we look at that as well with the acting. So there's work that can be done. It's not just singing the way you want. There's, there's, there's a real exploration of, of what is happening in the text and the song. Take, for instance, the woman who will be singing crazy. What do you find that means to her? Well, she has, every day she comes in, she has an amusing little anecdote about her off, off-site rehearsal experience. She, she came in one morning and said, Well, if you want to ask me, go ahead. I was almost locked up last night. <laughs> and I said, Paulette, what do you mean by that? And she said, Well, I was out front coming into my house singing crazy, kind of half under my breath. And my neighbor stopped me and said, what? What are you doing? And she said, I'm crazy. She said, so I think my neighbor might have taken me at my word because she looked nervous as she went into her own home. (laughs) She told me about singing to her dog who, no matter what or how she sings, it tends to retreat into his crate and remains there until she stops singing. But I told her not to take it personally. The audience will not be furnished with crates, so she'll be safe. She's doing a great job. She really is. Because you are so careful and because you are so keenly attuned to the audience and the rhythm of a piece, clearly you've arranged the songs and the mini pearl narrative in a way that there is an arc. It's not like the shuffle function on a CD player. Each of us in the second half, the second act, the rev half, have very significant and strong personas that we project in terms of archetypes, if that makes sense. So I don't know that there's an arc. I mean, I think in a formulaic concert or cabaret-based piece, there's a formulaic approach as in tempo, content, faster tempo, different content, a sad song, a not-so-sad song. So there's been careful focus and attention paid to it in that way. I agree with that, but there's not a narrative arc of a young woman going to the big city. There's nothing like that. No, it's not, a, it's it not a jukebox musical. Will you have suggestions of Nashville? Will you have anything? No, we in- might have some, some bales of straw. I, I've been continually told the difference between straw and hay. If it's hay and it's edible, chances are it's going to be carrying mold and spores and things like that that you don't want to expose the audience to. So we may have some some giant, wonderful, country, evocative bales of straw, Erica. It's also like I've been told I'm not supposed to say country western. It's just called country music now. 
Rosie, what will people be wearing? Will they be wearing their street clothes or will they? No. The older active adults, I think, will be wearing costume pieces, including cowboy hats, because they're so evocative. Hats and boots are de rigueur. Yeah, but the participants are really excited. They also have not performed in over two years. So this is the first time, and they're back with, with resolve and excitement. So... They're digging in their closets for boots and cowboy hats and suitable things to wear. So that's what they'll be wearing. And in the second half... Well, the promo is yards and yards of fringe, pounds and pounds of rhinestones, and lots of really, really big hair. Huge hair, Erica. Huge hair. There's huge hair everywhere. You can run, but you can't hide from the huge hair. The thing about the seniors that Rosie just alluded to is, this is needless to say, the pandemic was so, so terrible for everyone. But for these seniors, especially the seniors who have been wanting to perform, two years out of their life means a great deal more than it might to other individuals. And you know what I mean by that. I'm being very diplomatic, but I know you know what I mean. So I became very close to a woman named Carlene Howard, and she was the musical director at United Neighborhood Centers for senior program in terms of a choral group called Young at Heart. And she was the epicenter of it. She was the glue that kept it all together. She had been a USO girl back in the day, and her parents were in vaudeville. And when we did the vaudeville, we first did the 1940s canteen with her. And then from there, we went to the vaudeville show. And she was a part of both of them. And she was so accessible and amazing and upbeat and considerate and and professional. And a wonderful musician. And a wonderful human being. So we became very close to Carlene. And I had been planning on doing yet another show, a third show with Carlene. And we talked a great deal about this country music idea because she also had a little cassette recording of herself singing Patsy Cline songs. So she had a lot of songs that she wanted to contribute to the mix. But through a series of terrible personal events and then COVID itself, Carlene died last November. So we were with her just a day or two before she died, actually in hospice. And I promised her, Erica, that we would somehow... Find a way to go on. So this program on August 13th at 6 p.m. at 1004 Jackson Street is dedicated to Carlene Howard, my friend and peer. She was my girl. She was a bright spark and a live wire, a lot of fun to be with, a lot of fun to work with, and it's the least we can do to honor her in this way. And I promised her that whoever said it, whoever said it, I promised it, the show will go on. What about the young ones? They're... Fantastic. I can't tell you too much about a routine that another young man is doing because it is completely based in the element of surprise. So I don't want to spoil it in that way for him, but he's written his own piece. We hashed it out together. He came to me with a bunch of ideas for it. And I think it's likely to slay them in the aisle because he's, I'm only second banana. I'm the straight man in the routine. He's got all the fun and all the jokes and all the, I think it could be a very, very, very funny moment in the show. So I'm, I'm excited about that too. Do they know, do the young performers know country music? No, not, I mean, I think in, in a very significant way, it is, it is an education for them. And I think some of them have found a real affinity for it. When I I grew up with relatives who lived in Oliphant and Troop. And so country music in that way for me was a part of growing up. But I absolutely hated it. It was so uncool to me and so dumb and indeed hickey and just said, no, 
no point of place in anything that I thought about that was worthy or worth getting involved or listening to. And I think maybe, to answer your question directly, some of these kids have that same perspective. But it's just like with Shakespeare. You just need to give it a chance and you need to have it not only performed in front of you, but quite possibly and significantly get behind that driver's seat yourself and give it a spin around the block to continue the metaphor. I think they're having fun and that's what's important. There's a great sense of community in all of it. Community in terms of the way that happens when you work on a theater piece, but also the community in terms of Scranton. We have a, a fantastic woman who's come to the front, who's a connection through another very good friend of ours who has volunteered to help with costuming. So she can't do enough. And Charlotte, that's her name, she too has come through and she's my girl. So, you know, the stone gathers moss as it rolls down the hill. And that's the most fantastic part of being one of the most fantastic parts of being here in Scranton. We're just so supported by the community. We have people who let us stay in their homes and who put up our actors and who bring us donuts for rehearsal breaks. <laughs> Rosie, it's always wonderful to have a chance to look at an American phenomenon. Country music, we know there are roots elsewhere. But what was your exposure to country music? Did you know it? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, I knew Patsy Cline's songs but not from living in England, only from being here in the United States. Uh, Hank Williams was not really on my radar. It really was maybe Patsy Cline, I think. And that was it. So I had no idea what the genre was really like. And yet you are someone who is so open and imaginative and creative that you can take the song and work with the performer and come to some sense of what makes it tick. Yes. Some of these songs are, again, getting back to your question, some of the songs are just repetitious and fun. They've got a catchy hook. And, you know, the country music thing is, is three chords and the truth which is only partially true. But there are a number of songs in the piece overall that are really narrative pieces that tell a very specific story. And Rosie's approach, and rightfully and brilliantly, I have to add so, is to approach them as if it's a monologue, which for all intents and purposes they are. Like Jeannie C. Riley's song, Harper Valley PTA, is very much a story song. That song is about that young woman being influenced by who her mother was and how her mother dealt with being in a society at that point in time that was very judgmental and ostracizing. So it's a wonderful song about how a woman gets through that and how her daughter chooses to emulate her in terms of her behavior, in terms of facing it down and being who you are and standing up for yourself. So there are self-contained worlds of, of experience in many, many of these songs, even though there is not an arc or thread that connects them together. They are entire little universes unto themselves, many of them, many of them. And speaking to us today, it sounds like what you've just described. Absolutely. Was. I mean, that song in and of itself, it was so prescient. It was so far ahead of its time. It was so kind of all all knowing in terms of what was to come with regard to women and women's rights and how women are treated in today's world. You know, there is the old adage that if a man does it, it's great. If a woman does it, it's something else, something judgmental. And in that song in particular, that young woman is saying, my mother didn't put up with that and I'm not going to either. The day my mama socked it to the Harper Valley PTA. We always like to acknowledge those who are making possible these performances. Yes, we received a grant from the Neighborhood Development Trust 
which was wonderful. And the Myers Foundation also are supporting us. So those are both wonderful places that we are feeling support. And we're also doing this program, the Rev part of it. I wish I could take everybody else with us when the rodeo leaves town, sadly, sometime on the 14th of August. Rev is doing the show in free of charge, as usual in that way, throughout many, many neighborhood parks in Philly. So if you happen to be in the Philly neck of the woods later in August or well into September, come. And then in September, as part of the Philly Fringe, we've been invited invited back to do our Graveyard Cabaret, which has become a small kind of cult hit. And also, as I like to say, back from the dead by popular demand. (laughs) That's a fun show and a hoot and a half, too, believe me. And we're not, to be fair and to be honest, Shakespeare's not off our radar. I mean, the country show is really significant and important to yours truly. So in that regard, in terms of working in an artistic business partnership, the sort of trade-off is I'll do Shakespeare when the time comes. But everybody should come and see the country show because it's free and it's a good time is absolutely guaranteed. Repeat the time and place. It is 6 p.m. Saturday, August 13th at United Neighborhood Centers, the Oppenheim Center for the Arts, 10004 Jackson Street on the west side. Also, I would be terribly remiss if I didn't add that a man from the community named Tim Norton has a older active adult line dancing group that's also going to be part of it. So line yes. dancing is included. And the ages, the participants' ages are anywhere from 79 right up through 95. And they've been waiting for this. They've been waiting for it. The same way that Carlene was waiting, but she didn't make it. But the rest of them are on the rodeo circuit. Ride them, cowboy. We don't have horses. Well, I just found out that one of the older active adults, she just showed me a photo. She's like, you want horses? And she pulled up a picture of eight miniature horses that she has on 17 acres. I'm like, can we get them here? Just one? <laughs> I'm working on it, Erica. I'm working on it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. Rosie Hay and Rudy Caparazzo, who are co-founders and artistic directors of Rev Theater, back in northeastern Pennsylvania to prepare a production of the Rev-produced rodeo show in Scranton on Saturday, August 13th at 6 in the evening at the Oppenheim Arts Center, Jackson Street, and that is in partnership with United Neighborhood Centers. The admission is free. The production is open to the public. They'd love to have you come and celebrate with them. And again, it is Saturday, August 13th at 6 at the Oppenheim Arts Center, 1004 Jackson Street in Scranton on the west side. It's a partnership with United Neighborhood Centers, and it's free. For more information on the web, you can check United Neighborhood Centers' site. So it's uncnepa.org, uncnepa.org, and for the latest Facebook.com slash UNCNEPA. I can't find no fear.